Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Paratalk and on this episode I am once again joined by Tom and we're going to talk about some, I don't know, paranormal cryptids. Hey Tom. Hello. 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 How are you? I'm all right. Um, yeah. I'm enjoying, enjoying my evening and the very bizarre conversations I think that we're going to have shortly. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I um, yeah. I I kind of I wondered what we could do. I was thinking to myself, what can I talk to Tom about, and what other listeners going to enjoy? Uh, I didn't want to do like a, a random ghost story because I've done a few of those, uh, UFOs and aliens. I'm always a fan of that stuff, but I thought I wanted to do some a bit a bit more off the wall. So I thought that we sort of go and revisit sort of paranormal cryptids and those kind of harbingers harbingers of doom that uh that sort of uh, pop up from now and again sort of a little bit beyond the mothman you know i didn't mm -hmm. want to just do the mothman i don't want to talk about the mothman because everybody talks about the mothman so i think that's been covered you know literally been covered to death so i thought well what else is there you know what let's really think about what else is out there and there's lots out there there's lots of stuff we can talk about so i thought well let's talk about the the first thing that I came to and I thought, yeah, let's let's do that. And that was this kind of phantom that uh, allegedly has been uh, well stalking Chernobyl before the Chernobyl disaster. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is one that I'm not too familiar with. So you're going to have to educate me here. Well, it now it is it's on the same sort of parallels uh, as um as the Mothman, um, mm -hmm. the whole Point Pleasant thing, um, because obviously with the Mothman, as if anybody hasn't, yeah, you know, how can I? Um, I don't want to go into it too much. Uh, the you know the bridge collapsed in the town and people lost their lives, and the Mothman was kind of a harbinger of, of a warning to say that this yeah. is going to happen. Uh, yeah, you'd see it before. Yeah, there was something terrible happened apparently, and there and there were mul multiple people. That, that apparently witnessed this, uh, you know, this creature and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, some e even had contact, you know, to where it, it was kind of relaying, um, not relaying a message, but relaying a warning to them. And this is kind of similar to what happened with Chernobyl. And of course, if you remember back in one of the worst, if not the worst uh, nuclear disaster uh, to happen, in you know in our i mean i remember it i i remember i remember it being on the telly and they said that there has been a a nuclear plant in russia that you know uh kind of melted down and uh they were trying to contain it and after that it it was some time after it i remember these warnings to say that at certain times you have to stay in because there was a a radioactive cloud coming over the country because it, it, you know, it, where there was an, it would put this plume up of radioactive uh, dust and stuff, and it was, it was going around the planet, and oh, really, yeah. yeah, it was, it was kind of scary, you know. Hmm. I remember something. Well, people were saying something like that might happen after that. Um, the Fukushima in Japan was it the Fukushima nuclear oh, disaster? Something. Yeah, like yeah. That? There was a yeah. big explosion, and one of the reactors went down, and they were saying like there was going to be clouds of radioactive dust coming over i don't think it ever reached that you know it didn't it was probably too far away to reach us but they were 
I remember the news worrying about that. Because I, I was a bit too young to... I was only three when the uh, when Chernobyl happened, so I don't remember any of that. I think when I, when Chernobyl happened, I think I'd left school for... Uh, was it four, five? I, I think I was about seventeen or eighteen. Mm. I, I was a you know a, a, a teenager and sort of. Yeah. I, I was a little bit worried about it, but of course, mm. you know, going out and partying was uh, hanging around with mates was more important than some nuclear power plant uh, yeah. melting down. But I'm going to read the first paragraph so that we get a little bit of um, background. So. It's like 1986, the world's, uh, it was the worst nuclear disaster in the world uh, that has have ever seen, and it's obviously Chernobyl, uh, and uh, it was been abandoned for nearly a quarter of a century, and witnesses believe the spirits of those who died in, in the tragic accident are still roaming the town. Now, so, uh, I, I, you can go to Chernobyl now, and you can take a, a holiday. You can go and you can have a tour of um, the, the the city where the work... Because there was a city built in Chernobyl. There was a city built for the people that worked at the power plant. And it was... There was tens of thousands of people that, that lived in this city. It was, a, you know, it was a full-blown thing. Everyone lived. There was schools. There was children. There was, you know, there was infrastructure. It was all there. And that was... Um, uh, uh, I've got to pronounce it correctly because people will tell me. I think it was Pripyat. Pripyat. And um, they they basically, uh, that that city, uh, when this new disaster happened, it, within a few days, it was completely evacuated. Okay, everyone was basically down tools and leave. They shipped in all these buses, these coaches, and they just shipped people out. You know, just you, you leave. And mm -hmm. it was left, and it's now a ghost town. And of course... Nature has taken it over. You can go on YouTube and you can put in Pripyat uh, tour and stuff. And people have videoed their tours because the radiation levels now are low enough that you can go there for a short period of time Well, and you can have a tour. But there are people that still uh, that have gone back there and, and people that live on farms and stuff and, you know, farm and stuff. And, and they're still around. But there were people, I think a number of people died and obviously soldiers were drafted in to remove the nuclear material after the explosion and sadly though those people lost their lives they became sick and and died but other people have said that when they've gone on these tours that they've seen things and experienced stuff so what what do you think might be going on there a minute what what do you what what's your thoughts on that about the people seeing things well, i mm. don't know cuz i i've heard stories like that in, in after disasters um and i always wonder if it's like a nuclear disaster could it just be like the radiation affecting people's minds so they they see strange things when they go there or maybe it's just like the knowledge that something terrible has happened there and the, the sort of eerie ghost town feeling of a place like that but mm. I, I don't know how many people actually died do you know is it like thousands of people or was it just like well, the few people that cleared out there there were okay so I'm not fully up on the exact numbers. Maybe yeah. I should have been, but... Oh, sorry, the... I've just sprung that question on you. <laughs> no, no, it's fine, because I've got a rough idea. Um, yeah. Now, the, on the initial... When the reactor overheated and exploded, okay, they, what mm. they were doing, as far as I understand, they were doing, a, they were doing an exercise, and something went wrong, and the, uh, 
one of the reactors went into like overload and exploded. And then they had this huge meltdown. All of this nuclear material, because these, these, these rods overheated, all this nuclear material melted and went into the, you know, uh, just sort of melted through the foundations and the building. Now, mm. in the initial explosion, I think a handful of people died, okay, uh, through, an, through the explosion, the concussion of the explosion, but also through exposure, because some people were immediately exposed to massively high um, levels of radiation. And of course, it yeah. only takes a split second to be uh, exposed to those kind of levels of radiation and you're done for. You know, your body is mm -hmm. you're completely you're done for. But also afterwards, what they were doing, they were trying to contain the, uh, the all of the radioactive material. So what they were doing is they were bringing in troops and these whether they were conscripts or you know uh, full time troops they were troops they were people and that all they had to protect themselves were like lead lined i think were lead lined aprons and gloves and that kind of very rudimentary stuff which let's yeah. be honest at those levels of radiation there isn't much out there that's going to protect you okay so mm. these people obviously over time became very sick if not very quickly um and got cancers and, and and sadly died so yeah but i mean they were you know these guys that, that did it that went in there and shoveled that stuff back into the hole are heroes because they literally sacrificed themselves but maybe at the time they didn't fully understand what was you know going on they were just thinking oh it's there's been an explosion let's just clear it up yeah yeah i'm just looking it up now actually it's saying well this they're saying the official estimate of how many people died in the immediate blast yeah. was only 30 but there 30 could people, be like yeah. only 30 people but the long-term deaths from all the people that went yeah. in to clear up the the liquidators as they were called could be like four thousand something like that it's a lot of people that's a, yeah. that's a lot i mean if you think about it you're not you 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 get exposed to something like that and it's not you you don't you know you're not going to get sick straight away but over the mm. years it's you know you suddenly get ailments you get aches or pains yeah and, do you know what i mean it's horrible yeah i mean i was asking because you know if a lot of if, you know if it was like thousands of people died on the spot it could that could explain the paranormal phenomena but i also suppose just the um the sort of trauma of this whole yeah. city suddenly having to you know the terror of them all having to suddenly uproot and clear out and the the fear of the whole lives being up, upturned that must have left some sort of imprint on the area even if they didn't die it must have been like you know you can say the you know if there's a a great outpouring of emotion yeah uh, you know all at once that can sort of leave an imprint on a place and that could also have something to do with the the strange happenings at chernobyl well that's true i mean you imagine if you're at home having your dinner and then somebody mm. uh, a military man knocks on your door and says you've got four hours to pack a suitcase and be at your front door this this city is being there's been a disaster you're being evacuated uh are we coming back uh i don't know uh you can maybe come back in a week or a month or a, or a, or six months and no one came back and that that whole place was left to the element elements you know everything yeah it's bizarre yeah. but 
it must just be it must be so eerie as just going into like a ghost town and just seeing like because I, I guess people didn't have much time to clear away anything they should just get out and yeah like, it would just look like people people's homes were just sat there it, it was like like they, they just vanished just lived in. Yeah. yeah like they just vanished like yeah pack a suitcase and you go and it's yeah you never came back you never come back all of your stuff obviously you know over the years um it's now quite um should we say it's it's it it's looked after there's you know the security and stuff but um I, th- I think the first few years of it being abandoned there must have been let's be honest there must have been people that are going in and looting and stuff like that oh yeah and yeah. you know seeing an opportunity to steal people's belongings so uh, you know and, and obviously you know you're going to get wild dogs and of course nature starts to take over so you're going to get structures will become uh, unsound and there will be collapses so yeah you know it's uh it's it's a bit of a risk but what i was going to say was 1986 is this when the chernobyl um meltdown disaster mm-hmm. happened and um before that in april of um 86 uh, the people living and working at the chernobyl nuclear power plant right located near pripyat ukraine uh, in the former Soviet Union, began to experience a series of strange events. Uh, sightings of a creature described as a large black bird uh, or a headless man with a 20-foot wingspan. Red eyes began to be reported by workers of the power plant. The creature would later become known as the Black Bird of Chernobyl. So, before this disaster happened... And we're seeing parallels here with, with uh, Mothman, you know, there are many mm. parallels. So, people, workers of the power plant, were seeing this, uh, this creature, this thing, uh, with glowing red eyes, apparently with a this huge wingspan. I mean, that's massive. I mean, yeah. what what do you think? What what do you think's going on there? I don't know. It sounds very much like the Mothman to me. Especially the the fact that it was seen just before the yeah so so it was seen at the start of April it, yeah I'm reading through this article it doesn't doesn't get an exact date and it was like the 26th of April is when the the nuclear reactor went went down so yeah well it says here people who witnessed the black bird soon started to experience horrific nightmares uh, threatening mm. phone calls and some had first hand encounters with the winged beast. Okay, and then it says reports of these strange happenings continued to increase until the morning of April the 26th, 1986, at 1.23 a.m., when reactor number one, uh, four, at the Chernobyl nuclear plant in the former Soviet Union, Union exploded. So threatening phone calls. Yeah, threatening, That's... threatening. I mean, okay, so. You you work on a you work at a power plant and you see mm. this thing, and then you start to receive maybe a, a threatening phone call. I mean, I don't know what what the connection would be with with that, and uh, yeah. you know, that's I'm I'm not hundred I'm not very familiar with the Mothman story, but isn't there something? like that in there that people start okay to yeah strange phone calls so yeah so with um without getting all my notes out and, and my yeah. get my mothman book and stuff from from memory 
and my memory's not as good as it used to be. But from memory, I do remember that some individuals were getting phone calls from a, an individual who would tell them things um, about events that they maybe didn't at the time didn't made no sense, but later did, uh, and that uh, there was some sort of uh, premonitions or uh, things that didn't really make sense. But it was they were talking to someone. Uh, and also another thing is that the, the individual that they were talking to sounded uh, almost, I'm not going to say uh, mechanical, but in a, in a sense, slightly robotic. So there was that kind of um, conversation thing going on there with phone calls. And of course you mm -hmm. had the, uh, the teenagers uh, with the Mothman, uh, Point Pleasant and Mothman. Uh, there was that um, teenagers in their car they were just chilling parked at the side of the road and they say that they were chased by a large black winged beast with glowing red eyes and it was uh, it flew over their car and it went up onto the old disused factory uh, and it mm. sat up on the wall and it just watched them and they said it was at least the size of a grown man with wings yeah. so yeah i um i you know that that's kind of that's kind of scary oh yeah um so I, there are some theories here right about this and mm. um it says the most commonly accepted theory suggests that the black bird of chernobyl that may have been uh the same creature dubbed as the mothman that terrorized the population of point pleasant west virginia leading up to the collapse of the silver bridge on December the 15th, 1968. So what do you think there with the theory that maybe uh, this is a, 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 the same the same phenomenon, the same phantom, the same thing? And if it is, would it be more paranormal than, than as a real flesh and blood thing? Well, I, I mean, if they'd just seen the bird... I'd, I'd say maybe there's just some sort of weird creature that we don't know about out there, like a, a large bird that they've seen. But it's the fact that there's there's things around it that sort of... I don't know what I'm trying to say. There's there's things around it, like the fact that it's seen before a, yeah. a terrible disaster, mm -hmm. as if it knows the future. And the things with the, the weird phone calls and the nightmares, that it's, it's almost like it's affecting people's minds or getting into like staying in contact with them after they've had a sighting of it i mean that's got to be something paranormal hasn't it it well, can't be it can't be that it can't be like some weird mutant bird that they've seen if if those weird events afterwards are happening as well well the the interesting thing is it says here both the black bird of chernobyl and the mothman have not been sighted since their retrospective disasters uh, leaving yeah. many unanswered questions now, also, Pripyat, the nearby abandoned uh, uh, city, okay, uh, so Chernobyl workers, uh, for the, that was the city for the Chernobyl workers of the town, um, is, mm. is believed to be haunted. People have had the feelings of being watched, uh, then uh, walking past the city hospital. Apparitions and shadows are often seen. Some have been even reported being touched. So, mm. uh, you know, I'm... I, I try I, when I hear stories like this, I always try to put myself in the position of the person it possibly happened to. 
and I, you know, I'm, I would, I'll be, I'm, I'm quite, I'll quite freely admit um, to everyone that if I'm in a situation like that and I'm having an experience that um, I can't explain, I can't sort of go, well, I know what that is. I can see it mm. or I can feel it or, or I can smell it or whatever it is. Um, I'm wondering if, you know, your senses take over and that kind of fright thing in your head starts to build up and you experience something internally but you project it externally. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Especially in a place like that, like we said, it must be so eerie walking around there. And you're going to be, you, your senses are going to be so heightened and you're going to start to think, oh my God, what was that? Like a, like a shadow or something goes yeah. past you. You'll think, what was that? You'll turn, you'll see a, a shape in the window. Well, yeah, it's like uh, taking a, I mean, for example, when I uh, was a younger, when I was a, when I was a young lad, uh, I mm. used to, I have a friend who lived in a village and the way to get from the village to uh, my home, because I lived on like a new build estate, so I had to walk a particular way. And if I didn't want to walk, which took me 40 minutes to get home, my option was to do walk the road, okay, that was like a 40 minute walk, or... If I wanted to be home in like just over 20 minutes, I would cut through the graveyard. And yeah. I, on many occasions, uh, I would leave him at about 11 o'clock at night. And I would think I would walk down the road, right? And the the road came to a, like a fork and the, the road went straight. And that would be the road that you walked, which would take like nearly 40 minutes to get home. And some nights I wouldn't, you know, I'm like, I'm just going, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to do the long way home. Uh, and some nights, if it was slightly, if I uh, was slightly later and I had to be home by a certain, about half 11, you know, and my, I would do the, I would do the graveyard. I would think I'm going to mm. go up through the graveyard. And the graveyard was, you would, you would walk into it and then you would, it was on a hill. So you'd go up through these tree wooded area. There was like steps and you'd, so you have graves either side of you and many a time when i went through that graveyard i always felt either like i was being watched or i was being that horrible feeling of being followed someone behind you and you think any minute they're going to run up behind you and it's completely dark it you know it's a village there's not many people around it's, it's not <laughs> a very big village and um one one night in particular i was halfway through the graveyard and i thought i saw someone over in the corner like there was like some trees and i thought i saw someone in the shadows and um, firstly i thought it was some kids and i thought here we go you know i'm a mod obviously skinheads we're on it's going to be a fight so it's going to get chased <laughs> yeah and i stopped and it was completely it was completely silent and i stopped and i didn't know what to do i thought it's just as far for me to walk back out of this graveyard and it's just as far for me to walk forward to that gate that I can see right at the end of that lane. That's my way out. But to get out of that gate, I have to walk over this walkway where I think I saw whatever it was that I don't know what it was. It might have, more than likely, it was a trick of the light or it might have been a bird or I don't know. Uh, but I, that, I just slowly walked towards, and all I did was keep my eyes on the gate at the end. And I thought, whatever happens, happens. And I walked. But it was that, 
as I got near the gate, I had this um, immense rush that someone was coming up behind me. And as soon as I walked through that gate, I was like, I'm safe because I'm on the main road. Mm. But uh, that put me off walking through that graveyard for quite a few months. I always went the long, I left my mates early and I'd walk the long way home. So yeah. it, you know, whether that something was in the graveyard and whatever, or I picked up on something, I don't know. Um, or it was just me, my adolescent hormones in overdrive. <laughs> I mean, have you ever, ever had that be. experience? Um, I had I've had a strange experience in the in the graveyard when I was a teenager. It didn't happen to me; it happened to someone else. But I I I know that feeling you mean when you feel that something's coming up behind you. And yeah, I've got a rush. Um, I used to feel that in my in my house when I was a kid. That there was a I think I've spoken to to you about it before. There was a certain room that was really spooky, and every time I was walking away from that room, I just had this urge to like run because it felt like something was just behind me, like surging me onwards you know what i mean yeah yeah i i had a i had a strange experience when i was a teenager um when we we were me and a group of friends were out drinking and we were in, in like a little village up in up in the mountains in wales where where we lived and um i think there was four of us there and there was me and somebody else sat on we went into the graveyard and we yeah. were drunk we were just messing around being noisy and uh me and me and my friends sat in the doorway of the church. The church, like the, the door was closed, but there was like a bit of a step as you go in. So we were sat sat in there, and there were two friends in front of us, and we were just talking away. And the two friends who were stood up in front of us suddenly stopped, looked at each other. Their faces went white, and we were all half cut. So you know, it wouldn't be most things you wouldn't even notice because you were drunk. Like, yeah, you know, you you wouldn't be scared of most things, but their faces went white, and they were like what the hell was that and they'd heard from behind the door which was right behind where we were sitting this like unearthly growling noise like a really angry like they said it sounded like a massive dog or something but not like a not like an earthly dog like like a demonic sort of sound but me and my friend who were sat in the doorway didn't hear a thing we were like what what are you going on about but they'd heard it like from right behind us this noise and they were they were sort of stood up in front of us and they weren't just messing around trying to spook us. They both stopped at exact same second, went white and looked at each other and were like, did you hear that? So that's, uh, <laughs> Wow. That's um if I'd have heard someone like that, I thought, nah, we're we're leaving now, boys. We're off. Yeah. Uh, but the fact I you know, I didn't hear it and my friend didn't hear it, and we were closer to the door than them, and we were just like, Oh, what we didn't you know, what are you going on about? So yeah, I I I I'm quite uh, I'm quite open to strange experiences in graveyards. I've got a lot of time for those sort of stories. I don't know if it's uh, it's all well, Im- imagination just because of the spooky location. Yeah, I think there's, uh, there's something eerie about those places, and I, I definitely think something strange goes on in some of them. Well, yeah, I I think that um, like anywhere, if you think about uh, not the fact that it's full of deceased people, but the fact mm. that it's the I think it's the living that uh, are the people that imprint on those places and if you yeah. think about how many people go when people you know if people go to a funeral they're they're, they're, mm. they're very upset very emotional uh yeah. it's, it's a very yeah. emotional time in their life i mean you know i've been to enough funerals i've done both my parents funerals and mm-hmm. you you go to a funeral and it's where 
at this solemn place and you think all that energy that that you know it's going somewhere it's being and, and not the person that maybe had the life and is being buried is being put to rest but the people that are there who are still alive and they're doing the imprinting and and it's uh it, that energy not necessarily the energy is um has a an individual personality but it's able to manifest in a way where if other people like you or i go in to the, the the place and we've got no we don't know these people we don't know who they are we, anything like that but we mm. pick up on that energy and we are able to it manifests through us our consciousness our psyche whatever you want to call it i don't i don't, yeah. don't, I don't like using all these kind of catchphrases but it, it manifests through us in a way that brings out maybe um if it's um a, a, from a trauma event and you know obviously a funeral is uh it brings out that sadness through us or that fear or that you know that whatever it might be and that's what we might be experiencing i know it's a bit yeah. of a long-winded way of me you know saying it maybe it's just making us scared but i you know i, I don't know i mean i speculate you know well yeah but I, I yeah i mean i personally i don't know if there's much difference between when something's when people say like oh it's just all in your head because you know you're in a spooky place and yeah. you, you know you're picking up on these sort of emotions and things i don't i don't know if there's much difference between um you know like I, I think maybe when we actually see a spirit it might just be something that we see in our head but it might be something that's something that's there and we pick up on mm. but our brain sort of project you know your vision it goes up into your brain and gets processed there doesn't it how do yeah. you know like your brain isn't doing some sort of post-processing and inserting these images well yeah you know that's why maybe if you took a picture and you didn't see something there but you saw it there in front of you well yeah that's, it could that's... be that like you're picking up on these energies and you're sort of you might see an apparition but it might just be the emotion of the place sort of interacting with your brain and you're sort of turning it into an image well that seems to appear in front of you I know we've gone off on a little tangent. That's what I love about uh, talking to you because we always go off on these little, uh, these these little kind of topics. And uh, you you raise an interesting point there uh, that you know we perceive the world. Uh, the way that we perceive the world is through our senses, and our senses, um, you know, build a picture for us. So everything that we're experiencing right now is we are sensing, we are seeing, we are hearing. Uh, we are you know, smelling, whatever. And if something is able to change that perception, then we perceive yeah. our reality in a completely different way. If I was to be able to change the way that you maybe saw stuff or you heard stuff, then you are going to perceive your world the way that you perceive your mm -hmm. surroundings completely differently. And this is possibly something that uh, goes on when we go into a, uh, you know, uh, inverted commas a haunted location or a haunted a place that's got paranormal phenomenon mm -hmm. where we're going into a place where something environmental is more stronger than it is in our everyday to-day life and that it's infecting us or some people not everyone because some people can go to places and have nothing happen to them and some people go there and they have these wild crazy experiences so maybe yeah some people are more sensitive than others but you know once again i'm simply just speculating yeah yeah it's yeah it's something i've been trying to think of how to word properly because i wanted to sort of 
I wanted to get this down and maybe talk about it in a video or something. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I haven't really worked out how to word it properly, but just because I, I read a lot of like skeptical stuff as well. And, you know, a lot of that talks about how the environment can play tricks on your mind and you might, you'll probably just hallucinate things or yeah. you just imagine you're seeing things. And, and I, like my, my thoughts is just like, I don't know, like it's almost like, I don't really know what the difference between the skeptical answer and the paranormal answer is because it might well be that you're you're hallucinating something, but it's more about what the the input is. Well, like what's what's causing these hallucinations? If if they are hallucinations, like what's causing these things to happen? And could it be that there's some sort of paranormal input? There's some sort of energy that you're picking up on. I think that's maybe that's where the difference is between what the skeptic says and what the the believer says. You know, well, the skeptical say it's just like your, your mind playing tricks, whereas yeah. it could be your mind playing tricks, but it could be that the, the input is something paranormal and something that's actually there. Well, um, there was a... Let's take, for example, London Underground and the the stuff that's been seen there. People have witnessed stuff. They've uh, seen uh, figures. They've heard people. Um, even one um, tunnel walker uh, had an experience where they they have a job what their job is they walk the tunnels after the tube closes they get a flashlight and they walk the tunnels and they make sure that the tracks are safe there's no damage or anything this one walker uh he had a feeling that he was being uh followed and he started to panic and he ran he dropped his flashlight and he became so disorientated and scared that he basically curled up in the side like the side of the the track the side of the the tunnel and he said he clearly heard a pair of footsteps walk up to him and then walk past him on the the you know the, the stones the chippings that they have mm -hmm. where the tracks are. and he couldn't see anything and his flashlight was illuminating the the area of the tunnel where yeah. he was but he couldn't see anything now, mm. there has been some research done in some in places like there, um, and there is a possibility where we have low frequency sound, infrasound, which is possibly affecting the way that we perceive our reality, the way that we are seeing yeah. things and processing the data that we are experiencing. Because with infrasound, um, I I don't want to get too uh, technical but it can it can it, it in a way it it's such a low frequency that it can even distort the the eyeball and it can make yeah. us see things that we can make us uh hallucinate things that might might not be there you know objects mm -hmm. or um we can you know and and we can we interpret those as what we're seeing because that's what our brain is doing it's processing that information yeah. so there's a possibility. So I understand it from a skeptical point of view, but I think that yeah. when it comes to this, you know, with, with the paranormal, it is good and it is healthy to have a little, a little dose of skepticism with everything you, you oh, should, yeah, yeah. but yeah, but it's, you know, in something like that, you, another way to look at it possibly is things can cause hallucinations, but it's, it's what you see. It's, you yeah. know, it, um, and why so do you for see example, it? Yeah, I've read quite a few stories of people who have taken like 
hallucinogens and yeah. they've done them with other people and at some point like two or three people have all seen the sa exact same thing without mm. any input yeah and it's almost like you know they're, they're taking a drug that's causing them to hallucinate and have an altered perception but it's it's almost like they must have they must have picked up on something that's it's there maybe an energy or something yeah. or they're opening the, the door alters, yeah they're opening they're opening themselves up yeah so things can cause hallucinations perhaps but that doesn't mean you know it, it could it could be it's just opening up to some other experience so i think I uh i think one of the one, one of the most uh well-known cases for uh that that kind of theory is people mm -hmm. that do the ayahuasca and uh, yeah. they'll they'll take their ayahuasca then ingest it and then it will have its effects on them and they'll have their experience and they have um experiences with what they call these large insectoid creatures and yeah. this isn't just one person that's had this experience multiple people that don't know each mm -hmm. other that have a completely different lifestyle they've got different belief structure they're from different walks of life and they'll in ingest the ayahuasca and they'll have this experience with these insectoid creatures yeah. and it, you think to yourself are they, are they is there something in our mind that it gives us the ability to open a door and have an experience with uh something that's maybe on a different level to us maybe a different dimension yeah, yeah. and that there's, we can um, tap into that there's, there's the the dmt elves DMTs, the, machi yeah. the machine elves i've heard of those i mean yeah. it's not something i've tried myself but yeah i've heard of different drugs can make people see different things but it's it's like it's consistent among people who have you know had no contact with each other it's, it's very interesting i'll tell you something that happened to me once when i was at uni um me and my friend, and this was a time where you could buy mushrooms legally in, in the shops because the, you know, there was something about if they weren't dried, if they were fresh, you could just buy them. It was like, a, right. I don't know, there was like some loophole in the law. So me and my friend tried them. Never done much. I've never done mushrooms. I've never I'm, done I'm not. I'm not a big, I, you know, I'm not a big drug guy or anything, but it, it was uni and we were just yeah. sort of experimenting, I suppose. And so we took these mushrooms and we were walking around the streets just me and my friends, and we were just laughing and talking about things. And we both stopped and looked at this giant boulder, which was outside one of the university buildings. Right. And um, I was looking at it, and I thought to myself, that looks like a baby sleeping, like, like a baby sleeping on its side. And my friend turned to me and goes, does that, that rock looks like a baby? And it was like I'd thought it in my head, and he he was seeing the same exact same thing as me. That's and weird. We went, yeah, it was, and it it felt like we were sort of seeing the almost like the spirit of this this boulder. It was really it was really odd. And we went back there late, you know, the next day when we were sober, and we we looked at this rock, and it didn't look anything like a baby. It was so odd that we'd both seen this thing at exactly the same time. It was very odd experience so you you didn't tell him hey that looks like a baby he just no i was i was just thinking it in my head and he turned to me and said the exact same thing that i was seeing it was, it was so odd that's weird i mean I, yeah. I i i had a this was years ago i had a friend who was proper into uh doing like tripping like he was into yeah. tripping and and he took um back in the back in those days it was um 
and they had like little acid tabs and stuff like that and he was into mm. all that stuff and i remember him telling me of an experience he had uh where he would he went to um it was a party or something and somebody gave him something it was a, a like a concoction of hallucinogens and he took it and you know he wanted and he was totally into just in spirits in different different things yeah. and um he told me a story that he was walking home and uh, all the trees that were that were planted uh, at the side of the road via the pavement, the sidewalk for those that, that call it different, but um, the, the pavement, the sidewalk, you want to call it, um, they, they had trees. And as he walked by the trees, the trees uprooted and their, their roots became legs and they walked with him. And as he was walking home, he had this huge gaggle of trees following him. And uh, he said it was, it was, he wasn't scared because he just thought, well, they're just trees, man. You know, they're just coming for a walk. But at the time, he said it was as real as you're stood in front of me. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's the weirdest, one of the weirdest stories I've ever had somebody tell me that he walked home with a bunch of trees. So, oh, that would terrify me. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't say anything to him. They just walked with him. They just, just followed him. him. Yeah, like That's he so was strange. the Pied Piper. And, you know, they're all on like the, yeah. the pavement, the sidewalk. Crazy. Anyway, yeah. I, I want to get I want to get back to this. That we've got an account to read from this uh, Chernobyl. Um, so we're talking about um, people that have uh, had experiences. And we would, you know, we went off a little bit of tangent there, but. That's that's the way. That's the way. That's the way we're we're gonna rock. Uh, so um, uh, so it's a harrowing account of Chernobyl was given by uh, Andre and I'm I'm gonna murder this name, but I'm gonna do my best. It's is it's it's Andre uh, Karsukov. That's as best I can do. I'm sorry, but that's the best I can do. Uh, a nuclear physicist uh, from the University of Buffalo after visiting the site during 1979. So 19, that's what you got to remember, 19, 1997, sorry. Um, this is, now, this is what he's written. This is his account. Uh, I arrived at the abandoned, abandoned by this time. Remember that this is later on. This is 97. So the, the city is now completely, there's no one in it. It's a, it's a massive city that's been, it's derelict. It's a, abandoned. So I arrived in the abandoned power station at about 7.30 a.m. I proceeded directly to the reactor 4 uh, sarcophagus where the explosion took place. I could not enter due to radiation because back then the radiation levels were really, really high. Uh, I stood at the entrance uh, taking radiation and uh, rotogen readings. Rotogen readings. Maybe I've got that wrong, but that's the best I can do. Uh, I know no one could have been inside the old reactor core, but I could hear very distinctly hear the sound of someone screaming for help, shout and shouting that there was a fire inside. I ran upstairs to tell someone, but they said that when I entered the reactor control room, I was the first person to open the door in three years. Uh, well, that's kind of that's scary in itself. And the only way that I could get inside the old reactor is through the doors I came through. If someone had gone inside the reactor when I was not looking, uh, they would have tripped an alarm that goes off when the reactor door is opened mechanically. The reactor doors require a password and a handprint, yet someone or something was inside. Uh, 
Later that evening, as we were eating our dinner outside the building, by the river next to the plant, a floodlight turned on in the room of the installation. There was no way anyone could have been inside. As we ate, we, f uh, we figured there was a power surge or something. Um, then, he, then he goes on to say, then just as my colleague said, that light turned off. Um, so basically, yeah, that's... Um, Imagine that. That's terrifying. <laughs> you, you go to a, a building that's been abandoned for many years in a, yeah. and, and you can hear someone inside screaming for help that there's a fire. And you, you know, you know yeah. that no one's, you're the first person to have been in there for a number of years. I mean, did he, did he speak? No, all he's, like, like it was what he was from America, so what did he hear the voice screaming in English? Or it doesn't. He doesn't does say. He, he said uh, all yeah. he said is, "I stood at the entrance." Uh, uh, yeah. So he said, uh, "I know no one could have been inside the reactor, but I could hear clearly a distinct hear at the sound of someone screaming for help, shouting that there was a fire." So whether, he doesn't state whether they were shouting he, in Russian or English, language, but yeah. if he's over there and he, he's most probably knows the lingo anyway. You know, mm. um, yeah, or, or it's like I say, if if these sort of things are a, a sort of hallucination that you're picking up on, you know, you might hear something like that in your own language, and you could be picking up on like uh, somebody screaming in in Russian or Ukrainian or whatever language they were speaking. Well, yeah, there. I mean, you it, know, you'd you'd hear yeah. you'd hear you'd pick up on the energy of it rather than the actual words, and you'd yeah. you'd hear something in your own voice. Do you remember? A TV show called Destination Truth. No. Okay, so I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there. Who go, yeah, I remember that program. Uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, it was about a, a paranormal team that uh, they were like a bunch of investigators, and they would go to different places around the world, and they would sort of, you know, this mine is haunted. We're going to spend the night in the mine, or, or you know, and they did a, a thing on Chernobyl. It says when the Sci-Fi Channel's Destination Truth team conducted a paranormal investigation at Chernobyl. Numerous incidents were recorded. Uh, after donning radio radioactive uh, protection suits, the team investigated the remains of Reactor 4. They were shocked to see a human figure appear on a thermal imaging camera inside the reactor. Throughout their, an wow. their analysts of the abandoned hospital, the team conducted uh, continued to spot multiple figures moving in a seemingly abandoned building. Now, I saw this episode... And I must say, if if you get the chance or if you can find it, look it up and watch it. Uh, that's not just that's to you, yeah, John, but that's, that's to other people. It really is interesting because they are they do. If it's the episode, I'm pretty sure it's the episode I'm thinking of. They uh, they go to the hot one, you know, it's in an abandoned hospital. There's no one in there, but they they're shining their um, uh, their night vision unit onto the hospital looking at the the windows because it's a long it's like a long walkway and it's got windows going all the way down and you can clearly see heat signatures passing in front of the windows as if it were a uh, a human figure from the from the torso up you know because he couldn't mm -hmm. obviously couldn't see the legs but as if it were a person walking past the window now yeah okay it could have been could have been something else you know it could have been but there were there was it happened more than once they were getting these, uh, these, should we say, humanoid-like 
uh, heat signatures. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you're in a place where there's not meant to be anyone, let's. But it is a city, and I would say that um, even if a city's been evacuated and it's there for years afterwards, I would say that there more than likely is people that have moved back there and that are living, you know, in in there. Yeah, I mean, I have heard stories of there was just people in there from the people who just didn't leave and yeah. they just stayed there and they got irradiated, but they just survived somehow. And yeah, I have heard that were there's, there's always been people living there, but it's just very few. Just a few crazy people. So there must be some dotted about. So that was, um, I think we should move on. This is going to be here for hours and hours and hours. This is going to be like, uh, I'm certainly making up for uh, my shorter episodes. uh, One of the things. Actually, I wanted to add something about the. um, Yeah. Because what we're talking about, uh, you know, we went off off on a ramble about hallucinations and things, just about the. The the, the sort of Mothman or the Blackbirds. Yeah. And I said, like the the trauma of a place sort of imprints itself. But yeah, we don't. You don't know whether you you could you you could maybe perceive a trauma that's coming rather than something that's already happened. Like the people that were there in the run up to this terrible event, you know, they might have somehow subconsciously picked up on this uh, terrible thing that was about to happen, and maybe that's how these maybe. In our heads, that's how these premonitions appear as some sort of big ominous black bird, and that's why. But before these events, a lot of these creatures are seen. Okay. I don't know. No, uh, you picked up on something there. We're going to go off on another another tangent now. Uh, the 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 owl man of Mao will have to wait because uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to um, <clears throat> just pick up on what you were saying. Um, okay, so you said something there, and I thought, ah, yeah. There's a possibility. Here's a theory for you. Mm. Maybe if uh, the Phantom, the the Mothman, the, uh, the 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 large bird thing of Chernobyl, maybe it was a uh, like an omen, okay, mm. and maybe it has the ability, if it is um, sentient, intelligent, and it is trying to relay a message. Uh, maybe it has the ability to it is um omnipresent it's able to see the past and the future yeah uh, at the same time therefore it's able to see what's coming and uh, but it it has to communicate it in a way where it can't just go all right then this is going to happen uh, just letting you know all right i'm going to fly off now it's not yeah. doing that it can't do it that way because it doesn't it's not able to communicate in in that kind of way. It can only communicate through, uh, should we say, uh, some sort of symbology where it's able yeah. to try to give a uh, a fear, make you scared. Mm-hmm. And in, in that way, it's able to uh, make you scared. You think, oh, something's going to happen or I'm very anxious about, you know, whatever. Yeah. But unfortunately, we are very... Um, when we have a feeling like that, we're, we're very sort of inward looking. We think, oh, it's about me. It's about me. It's, we, it, we, we, you know, we're not seeing the bigger picture. So maybe, yes, maybe this, yeah. these things are able to, they, don't, they, don't, they, they exist out of our realm of perception. They come in to communicate with us. We're not, we're not perceiving anything more than what we perceive in our little, you know, our little sort of bubble of experience they are coming into that 
to to relay mm. a message. But here's another thing: there's been, if you think of the world, right, and all of the the disasters that have happened, right, around the world, and there's been some horrible ones. Why, why, why Point Pleasant? Why Chernobyl? What what are those two events? What what makes them? And I don't want us to be horrible, or don't I don't want people to think I'm being uh, disrespectful. But what makes them special? What? Mm. Why are those things happening there and not? And I'm okay. Somebody will correct me. I, I'm sure, and there's people disagreeing. But there are most probably these events happening all over the place, you know. Yeah. And people are seeing things and not understanding what they are. And then there's a, a tragedy. But w- yeah, why are these yeah. things? Why why are these things more? These why do they stand ones. out more? Yeah, I don't know. It could be that these. It could be that there's. I mean, there is other, other events where such things have been seen or similar things have yeah. been seen. Um, there was like the. There was something in the twenties. I don't. Know, I think I've got it saved here. So I've got a few tabs open. There was. There was what like, maybe maybe. These sort of creatures are seen before a lot more um disasters and people just don't report them or they they don't make enough of a impression that people just sort of don't think too much of it they might just see a bird and just think oh that's but, a big but bird. why a bird why 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 a winged why a winged creature it's not really we say a yeah, bird I don't know. I, you know an, I, an angel or a demon or yeah. it could be anything couldn't it it's just a an ominous sort of uh well a, literally an omen of of some sort I suppose I, I don't know. I don't know why we would have like uh, the, the 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 phenomenon of black dogs. I mean, you you were yeah. gonna. I did, I cut you off there, but you you continue your. Thought no, I was just minute. gonna say there was a there was another one. Um, nineteen twenty six. There was a a winged humanoid in China. Okay. Uh, just before just before. Uh, Hold on, I'm just reading. Yeah, there was a ma- just before there was a massive structural failure and collapsed, sending over forty billions of gallon, forty billion gallons of water, crashing onto the farming villages below. So just before that happened in 1926, apparently they saw this winged creature that looked like a human, and they named him the Man Dragon. Hmm. So, you know, 1926. Who knows how many other events have happened where something strange has been seen and maybe just hasn't been reported, or True. one yeah. person saw what you know, like one person saw it and they just thought no one's ever going to believe me. They just didn't say anything, or I, I don't know. Well, it's uh, it's definitely a bit weird, and it's going to get weirder. So moving on, we've got another story here, and it's one that's in Cornwall, England. And it starts off, it goes back to like the 1920s. It's uh, known as the Owlman of Mowen. And to give you a little bit of a background, it says a remote church in Cornwall is said to be the home of a half-man, half-owl creature, which has terrified locals and holidaymakers since the 1920s. St. Mowen and St. Stephen's Church, located about a mile from the village centre of Mowen Smith, is a peaceful building surrounded by woods and boasting breathtaking sea views. But according to Cornish folklore, it has been haunted by a human-sized owl with large wings, large claws and glowing eyes. The Owlman of Mowen Smith uh, was first sighted uh, in 19, April 1976. On that day, two, two teenage girls 
were on holiday with their parents in the village and they are said to have walked down to the old remote church. On the top of the tower they saw what they described as a terrifying birdman with wings and feathers. Uh, it says the story says that they were so scared by the sighting that their father uh, decided to put an end to their holiday and leave Cornwall immediately. In the July of the same year, two 14-year-old girls decided to go camping in the area, but spotted uh, a giant owl, human owl-sized creature with glowing eyes. All eyes turned to the village and the discovery made the national headlines. However, the owl man was quickly branded a hoax when people realised that all the reports led back to one man, magician and paranormal researcher Tony Doc Shields. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know you've read a little bit about this, haven't you? Yeah, well, I don't know. The, the whole Doc Shields thing is kind of a bit suspicious, really, just because he's a he's a bit of a dodgy character and he was known for sort of hoaxing things and he, he wrote books on how to hoax stuff. He, you know, he did he did like magic shows, so he wrote a lot of books on like hoaxing things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he was hoaxing everything he was involved with and he was he was quite a, a well-known character in the area wasn't mm. he so and he was known for being into all kind of weird stuff so the thing is if something strange did happen then he's, he's the kind of character you would go and look up to try and you know tell your story to so yeah i don't know i'm, I'm, I'm I, I researched it quite a lot and i i came away still not really knowing what to make of the whole story because he's such an interesting character and the you know the fact that most of the stories was were related to him uh it just it's just a, a weird one and uh yeah i i still don't know what what to make of the whole thing really i remember that story the Iron man of Mowen, that goes back for me i remember seeing it in a book when i was quite young and uh back then it was what i would call a reasonably uh, recent story only happening mm. a few years previous and it was in like um I think it was a paperback or a like a storybook, but it was a story of mysteries and you know that sort of thing you would get at a library. And um, yeah. I remember I remember reading it and and it and completely, well, completely it kind of scared me a little bit because I was only a little kid. And um, but uh, it really kind of stayed with me. And uh, yeah. as the years went by, as you say, there's not a lot of there isn't a lot of information. And the kind of whenever you sort of do a bit of research, it always kind of leads back to the same person or the same sort of you get to the same place you know and yeah it's, it's i don't know it's one of them ones where it's it all sort of circles around the same sort of person but it's 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 got so many threads to it this story as well i found every, yeah. every time i looked into it i found something else to go down and uh we're gonna skip over the Almond of mowen because it although it's uh it you know it's it's it's, it's a classic um as you say it's quite limited in in yeah. how far you can go with it but uh, I mean, there is there is there is sightings still going up till today, and there's like yeah. there's, there's someone who's claimed to have got a video of the owl man. You know, there's there's like a, a video where, where someone's panning across Ooh, the really? graveyard at night. Yeah, um, I'll send you a link to it after yeah. this. There's a bit where he's he's you know it's a it's like a two hour video. Where they're doing like a proper ghost investigation, and the camera pans over in this in the graveyard of Morning Church, and um, just in the background you see very briefly like a figure standing there it just looks like a man but 
when you zoom in, you can see that he's got it. It almost looks like when you see these pictures of the owls with this sort of, it almost looks like they've got two horns, but it's yeah. like the, the tufts on top of their ears. Really? It looks yeah. like that from the top of his head. And it's, it's such a weird little image, but you only see it for like a split second in this video. But people are claiming that that's the, you know, the, the owl man still haunting the graveyard. Wow. Um, so, and, and I don't think that's any in any way linked to where uh, Doc Shields. So, yeah, you know, I always look at these things from kind of both sides of the fence. And as we mm. spoke earlier in this episode, if I tell you a certain place, uh, a certain legend of a certain place, or if I tell you something happened at a certain place, or if I tell you a building has got something going on in it, and I tell you that enough, there'd be a point where your your subconscious will take note of it. You you'll stop listening. Yeah. You'll stop listening long ago and think you you know shut up. But your subconscious will have, will have made a note, mental note of it, and then mm-hmm. when you go to that place under the right conditions, you might actually experience what I've been telling you, which might be oh, yeah. a load of old cobblers. Yeah. And you, you know and the fact that this story it, it could it might have started out as a hoax, I don't know, but it made the headlines. It it was on TV, it was all over the place. Loads of people heard of this story and loads of people believed it. So you've got all these people going to this place and looking for the owl man and it it you know, it might manifest something just from the, 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 you know, it might be some sort of like thought form that's created mm. by all these people, you know, all these people's subconscious combined might have like created something more solid. Well, staying around this, uh, this kind of era, uh, mm. I was like the late seventies, but you yeah. sent me, um, a, a story that I, I must admit, I've, I've, until you sent it to me, I was like, I've completely unaware. When you sent it to me, I thought, I've never heard of this before. And this happened in like 1963, didn't it? Uh, to four British teenagers. Well, they, yeah. they experienced, they, they witnessed what they, uh, what was it, the, the Bat Beast of Kent, which is mm-hmm. very similar to like these owl kind of mothman kind of crypto thing. What, what, what's, what's this one about? Yeah, as you say, 1963, mm. it was, uh, Four teenagers, and they—I think they'd been to a house party. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know whether they were drunk or not. But yeah. they were—they were heading back from a house party, and um, the first strange thing they, that happened to them was that they, like a, a glowing light, sort of went over the top of them, hmm. and uh, headed into like, like headed into some like woodlands or some some brush that was nearby. Right. Yeah, yeah. They didn't. They, I don't think they saw it land or they didn't see where it went, but they watched it go over and dip down into these trees and then out of some nearby bushes this uh the bat beast of kent emerged and it was uh described as being sort of like i think it was like the size of a man but it's uh it's almost like a headless bat it's like yeah. a, a sort of if you imagine just like a a bat's body with the wings and then like two little like waddling legs like duck with feet. feet. Yeah, like yeah. like webbed duck feet. Bizarre. Just sort of waddled, waddled out of the trees. So it says, while the teenagers were still reeling from the astonishing sighting, something even more inconceivable would soon grab their attention. Moments after the extraordinary craft apparently landed behind the trees, the teens noticed mm. a shaking in the brush, and what emerged was one of the most unique varmints ever to be chronicled in ufology 
So they didn't mm-hmm. notice a, as you say, a light as out. They didn't see the gla- the craft that's like like sort of land and it come out of it. Yeah. It was just sort of it was almost like a coincidence. They just think the two are related because they happens like so close to one another. But later, the four horrified well eyewitnesses would explain that an erratic, shambling, quasi humanoid figure emerged from the woods and waddled towards them. The beast apparently looked like a headless bat that was approximately five feet tall with large web feet and wings protruding from its back. In Hutchison's own words, it didn't seem to have any head. There was huge wings on its back, like bat wings. Wow. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, you, be honest, you'd have run away because I would have. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's a lot of, and that's that's really similar to a lot of, the uh, the the Mothman sightings, uh, a lot of them are described as looking like a creature with no head, or almost like its face was in its in its chest. Yeah, but yeah, yeah so very it's, similar, it's, very it's similar. So it's eerily similar to a lot of a lot of sightings of these yeah. these sort of Mothman things. Yeah. But later it says uh, it says less than a week later on the twenty first of November, mm. uh, a young man named Keith Croucher uh, seemed to confirm the team's claim of an unusual object soaring over Kent when he announced that he too had uh, seen the oddly shaped craft hovering over the local uh, soccer field not far from where uh, Flaxton and his crew had claimed to have their curious encounter with a UFO and its bizarre occupant. On the 23rd of November, John McGoldrick decided that, that the reports coming from the Sandling Park were simply too outrageous to be ignored. So, after soliciting the help of an unnamed yet clearly intrepid friend, McGoldrick uh, and his cohort made their way to the, to the site of the unusual goings-on, hoping to perchance uh, the face-to-face encounter with the strange alien creature. Once inside the woodland, McGoldrick claimed that he and his companion discovered no less than three footprints, each 24 inches long uh, and nine inches across. That's pretty big. Um, Mm. He also stated that he had stumbled across an area where the foliage bracken had been flattened as if something of tremendous weight had landed. Uh, McGoldrick claims to caught the ear of the local press where it's going to just go on about him talking to these, you know, the newspapers and stuff it says, while yeah. reports did not manage to turn up any evidence, it was stated that tickets, the thickets were, uh, still bathed in an eerie glow, which continued for some days before subsiding glowing yeah, stuff. Yeah. That see, I've heard that before when there's been, um, alleged uh, ufo landings and sightings that sometimes yeah. that there's a, a glowing glowing substance that's left behind a residue and uh, it would glow under uh, ultraviolet light or certain lighting conditions whether you know like a watch you know it'd be luminous and that yeah. it would last for a few days and then it would subside and disappear it says in the 1970s ufologist chris wolf also re- reopened the case uh, according to his records he interviewed flaxton and also inspected the scene of the unearthly encounter. Following his investigation, Wolf came to the dubious conclusion that what Flaxton and Hutchins and their chums actually saw 
was an ordinary crow, oddly illuminated with the flashing of the electric train passing far away. Well, okay, so... That doesn't make sense to me. So he says it was a crow and there was a train that was going along far away and the light from the train made the car... the crow. Yeah. yeah, No. I I find that... Sometimes the the sort of sceptical explanations are so far-fetched, it's almost as if the, the more paranormal explanation is the yeah is the more reasonable one, you know. Whenever you read something like that, okay, it mm. is bizarre, okay? Uh, anything that yeah. we've talked, on, talked about on this, I mean, that was the last um, story that we had, but th- all those stories in themselves are very unique, and they all warrant... A, an investigation of course because it's something out of the norm but when you have a, a case like this you always have to be a little bit skeptical because you have to say well we need the you know you need the one side and the other you just can't say what it was but sometimes as you've just said when you have to find a logical or rational explanation to something sometimes it can't be done because what you come up with is more bizarre than the actual bizarre that's happened yeah yeah i mean i have heard and the only the only explanation that sounds sort of plausible in a lot of these cases is that they might have seen an owl there's, there's certain species of owls i think yeah an eagle owl which is so big yeah it they can are look big, yeah. like it can look like a person if you saw one like waddling along the ground for some reason it would almost look like a person walking or if you saw one up in the air you might think it was like some giant creature but it's it's all the weird stuff around it you know you, you see a glowing light flying into the woods and then this thing comes out or you see this creature and then you start getting strange phone calls and having weird nightmares well here yeah um it's all I mean, the weird stuff linked to it that yes you know i mean as we as we are approaching the end of this podcast i just wanted to interject another um avenue of thought mm. and that is that when we talk about owls and when we talk about these kind of creatures, there is a connection with the abduction phenomenon and people yeah, that see yeah. owls yeah. Uh, on their, before they have their um, experience or after they've had their experience or as their experience is ongoing and they are having these abduction, whatever they are, um, that they encounter owls and it yeah. in, and these owls are in a way either watching them overlooking them or they're you know they're trying to give a message or something it's very it's a very strange um just very strange and and a little bit a little bit unsettling as well wouldn't you say yeah yeah um yeah i've heard a lot of stories of people who their only memory of of a sort of abduction scenario is waking up and seeing an owl watching them through the window and there's a there's a theory that it could be a sort of a screen memory that's sort of implanted so instead of seeing an alien they they see an owl and then when they tell their parents oh there was an owl looking at me you know they just they wouldn't really be it wouldn't seem to be that out of the ordinary mm. uh, yeah it'd be something along those lines perfectly plausible because we talk about um i know we're going into the the realms of ufos and stuff but it kind of it's mm. all it's all kind of in the same basket but when we yeah. when we think of that um what well, i recently did a short episode on the gateshead gray and uh one of the uh things that fascinated me with that is the 
allegedly the young boy that had the experience, he he saw these uh, motley crew of aliens that were all different. Uh, you had your you had your little greys, you had your big uh, Sasquatch-looking one, and you had your another one with this kind of uh, diving helmet on, and then you had a normal-looking bloke who was just nice blonde hair, uh, looked very handsome. He had a big robe on, like he was some sort of lived in a castle, and he was the guy that um, uh, that he felt most comfortable with, and he's the guy that came forward and talked to him and said, you know, come on board the ship, I need to do something, and this isn't like, this, is a, this isn't something that just happened to him, it's happened in many cases. If you go back to the Travis Walton case, where his abduction that he had when he woke up in the craft, and he panicked, and he got out, and there were these small... Uh, horrific little little creatures that were trying to subdue him but they were very weedy and weak and he sort of pushed them away and you know got mm-hmm. picked up a what was like this kind of rod that he was going to use as a weapon and then all of a sudden they left the room and then these uh, humanoid um, people came in and they're like you know calm down it, everything's going to be fine it's like it's almost like they're taking on the form of a person to calm you you're not going to be scared if you're going to see another person, even if they're dressed a bit weird. But if you're going to see these little grey things or whatever, and they're, you know, they're not even speaking to you, they're just trying to restrain you. But if a person comes in mm-hmm. and says, "Look, you know, let's have a chat," um, you're more likely going to go, "Oh, somebody like me, I'm, I'm safe." Yeah. Maybe what they are seeing is something that's being, as you, as you picked up on earlier, that's being, in a way, mentally projected. Yeah, that would raise the question as why it would appear as a giant headless black well, bat yeah. creature or a red-eyed yeah. giant owl or something like that. You know, something so terrifying. Unless that's the, unless that's what it wanted to do, it wanted to scare them off, so it appeared as a you know something something that would creep out a human being. Unless it was, as you said, I mean, as we were talking mm-hmm. about, unless it was a, a, a something a, a harbinger of uh, a, an omen. And it's come mm-hmm. from wherever the the nether worlds to bring a message and try and convey a message, but um, it's all very yeah. cryptic, and you, you've got to kind of figure it out. Unless you've got a, you're on a time limit, you know, before the whatever it might be happens. Unless it's yeah. connected in some way, maybe that event is connected to that, and without that, that can't happen. Uh, pff, you know, the mind boggles, doesn't it? Your final thoughts, Tom. What what do you think's going on? I can't really say what it is because we've gone over so many different possibilities. Uh, who who knows? Is it is it a hallucination? Is it a UFO? Is it a demon? Is there any is there any other paranormal phenomena that we didn't uh, go across as a possibility? It could maybe it's a maybe it's a, um, a fairy creature of some sort. We haven't we haven't brought them up yet. We haven't. So. <laughs> but I think we're, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to or save that. Or a ghost, it could be. Yeah. But what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to save that for another episode because uh, yeah. I think we've uh, we've we've reached the, uh, uh, the 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 sort of end of this one. But that's not to say that uh, we're not going to be continuing this uh, conversation because there's plenty more uh, where that came from. So from my point of view, um, I'm kind of on the fence with you. I, I don't know what what is going on here. These stories are a little bit unsettling and they are a little bit strange. Um, these people clearly saw something and they experienced something, but uh, as to what it was, I don't think we're any uh, we're any closer to figuring that one out. That's uh, that's a sort of story a story for another day, really. So 
anyway tom so thanks very much for coming on uh, another episode of paratalk and uh joining me for this uh hour and a bit or whatever it was and having a good old uh chat about all the things that uh are a bit weird what what's uh what's up with you what what's uh what have you got planned what's happening with the shrouded hand oh uh, well i've got a video i'm working on i've i've, I've put out like i put out so many depressing videos this this month just just you know really horrible like true crime type cases that i'm working on something a bit more light-hearted and uh that's that's going going okay so hopefully that'll be out soon but uh you know i i need like a bit of a palate cleanser every every now and then because i cover so many horrible things that i need to do something about like i don't know i do i do a video about gnomes or something something strange like that just as a bit of a a bit of a, a bit you know a change of pace so i'm working on a slightly more light-hearted thing hopefully that'll be out soon and uh yeah, just usual thing with my channel. I, I don't really plan anything out, so I can't really tell you what's what's coming up in the future because I just you know, I'm just so uh, disorganized. I just do everything on the fly, really. But uh, yeah, well, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes yeah. you just think I'll do this and it works, and you know, sometimes that's a that's a, that's the kind of a healthy approach because you know if you try and uh, if you try to treat too hard to do something you know, overachieve one thing, you'll get stuck in it and you get into that kind of hamster wheel. I've been there. So it's, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Anyway, so there's me going on. Uh, it's not, this isn't sort of a teacher's corner, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I, it's me. I waffle. But anyway, so yeah, thanks for coming on, Tom. And thanks to everyone who, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, see you soon. Mm-hmm.